This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. DOE Path Forward Awards for Exascale. And a look ahead to ISC 17. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC, Michael, we're getting ready for ISC 17, which is next week in HPC. (laughs) You're already there. I'll be traveling this weekend, and we're going to get to that. But before we get to that, there was a huge news item that dropping today. So this week in HPC, we're looking at these awards from the United States Department of Energy, which is putting down $258 million across six different awards to six companies for technologies for the Exascale Computing Project. Right. This is the uh, Path Forward program that uh, has been in motion for a while, and we've been waiting for the awards to uh, to get announced. And sure enough, they've, they've done it this week. And the uh, the awardees in this case are, I guess, what we would call the usual suspects. It's AMD, Cray, uh, HPE, IBM, Intel, and NVIDIA. So these are the these are the six. Yeah. Now these are all hardware focused, of course, for for Path Forward, and we'll come back and talk about software a little bit uh, after after that. But really, we've got the leading U.S. based uh, supercomputing vendors, system vendors with Cray and HPE and IBM and the leading processor technology vendors with Intel, AMD and NVIDIA, of course, including accelerators as as processing elements here. And there's partnerships going on on both sides. Is this the list you would expect to see? Is there anybody missing? Uh, No, I can't think of anybody unless they wanted to bring in for some reason an interconnect vendor. But I, I think, you know, we know who who's going to be brought in by any system or most of these systems uh, that are going to come in there. The only surprise might be AMD, since right now they're not well ensconced into the HPC space, but they certainly have the technology and they have some interesting technology. I think that uh, the uh, the project looked at and thought this was they were worthwhile to develop some of this technology for uh, possible exascale inclusion. Well, yeah, let's talk about AMD for a second, because I don't think the problem with AMD has been technology. They've had some interesting products out there. My concern with AMD had been the extent to which they were falling behind in the software ecosystem around their APUs. I think the other really interesting uh, technology they have had and still have is in hypertransport and trying to move that forward uh, in competition with the idea of a frontside bus or Intel's new uh, QPI, the Quick Path Interconnect. So I've got no problem with AMD being on the list from a technology standpoint. And from a market presence standpoint in HPC, they've surprised me there as well, where we've seen them clawing their way back in the survey. So that AMD is certainly not out of the race yet in HPC, although I had I, my view of them had been marginalized in previous years. They, they've really shown some real strength in recent months. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, I agree with you. I mean, they, they've never really had a technology problem. It's 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 a matter of executing and focusing on this particular market. And and a lot, like you said, a lot of it's on the software side. Now, having said that, I mean, they haven't been very competitive in the traditional x86 space uh, this year might be different as they release their their Zen Naples processor. But I think what's probably of most interest to 
the DOE here is, is perhaps the APU technology that they've been slowly developing for the server side. So they've got the the x86 cores and the uh, the ATI uh, G, or the Radeon GPU cores together on the same chip, and that has a lot of advantages that uh, I can see would be very interesting for uh, power efficiency and for uh, performance in general. So uh, I'm guessing that's where some of the focus is, and that's uh, the AMD person that was talking about it in the in the press conference about this sub. Uh, this release did mention that they are the only vendor that has that capability now of integrating those those two sides and making a heterogeneous chip. Working our way down the list, Cray is an obvious one. The Cray right. brand has been synonymous with supercomputing for decades, and, and we're delighted to see them there. But HPE, I think, is also noteworthy here. Do you think they make the list regardless of their acquisition of SGI? Uh, they've really certainly invested a lot with Apollo and gone a long way to establish themselves as a legit supercomputing vendor. Yeah, they've just uh, they've just never been sort of the leading edge supercomputing vendor as far as the technology goes, like like a Cray has been, or even to, to the extent that IBM has been. I think what gets them in over and above the inclusion of SGI is the work they've done on the memory-driven computer, what they used to call the machine, right. uh, some of the technology in there, which they talked about uh, in in context with this award. I mean, the, the work they're doing on photonics and uh, silicon photonics, as well as the, um, the memory fabric they're working on and the non-volatile memory that they're trying to advance with this platform. So I th think that's going to be the main focus, or that's where this money from the the DOE is going to go towards. It's going to accelerate that effort um, and produce something that uh, you know none of these other companies have been working on in quite this way. It's a good point, but HPE doesn't have a lot of experience with petascale systems outside of the SGI systems that they acquired, and that's a big thing that sets them apart in the current market from their closest cohort, which is Dell, which isn't right. on the list. Now, HPE is the number one uh, vendor for HPC systems by revenue, and that repeats again in 2016. They've actually extended their lead over Dell, who's the number two. But I think those SGI petascale systems combined with these future-looking technologies in memory and in interconnects that you've been talking about, Michael, that that really sets them apart and and uh, and puts them ahead of some of these other ones. Now, IBM has been entrenched in a lot of the pre-exascale systems with Coral. Now, right. IBM's been struggling in recently in the HPC market. We haven't seen their power systems coming up to the extent that that we'd like. But uh, you know, they're so tied to Open Power and Nvidia that uh, and the Coral projects. I think we really need IBM in there. Yeah, I mean, considering that uh, those coral projects, the pre-exascale systems, Summit and Sierra are going to have those those Minsky servers with the power uh, CPU and then the NVIDIA GPUs in there, I, I think sort of makes them a shoe-in to advance that technology into the exascale realm. I mean, the fact that they captured those pre-exascale contracts, uh, I think just kind of solidified it. So it's it's no surprise there that they'll they'll keep on doing that and, and come up with something uh with uh, you know, more advanced processors in both cases and maybe something else unique in the, in the future systems. And we're talking about these coral systems. One very interesting question that came up during the press call 
to talk about Path Forward. Rich Bruckner of Inside HPC asked Paul Messina of the Exascale Computing Project what was going on with the Aurora system and you know which is the Intel based system for Argon that was part of these pre Exascale systems in Coral and that had a very interesting answer I thought. Yeah, I mean basically Paul Messina said they're they're sort of renegotiating that to to make it uh a somewhat different system that will have a different timeline on it. So it won't be right. It's like it won't be released uh, when it was originally scheduled to, which was basically a 2018 time frame. Um, that'll be pushed out some months or maybe even a year or so. Um, and the speculation is, at least from my side, is they're looking to make that a different system, um, focus more on deep learning. So they might use one of the future Intel Xeon Phi or Nirvana uh, processors that are optimized for deep learning and make that sort of a unique uh, resource for the DOE. A, a big thing that you know strikes me looking down this list, though, is that we're still entrenched in this um, architectural diversity where you've got Intel representing a lot, a, a few different uh, options here, plus NVIDIA, plus IBM, plus AMD. And it really looks like with Path Forward, we're keeping all of these doors open for what are these exascale systems going to look like. What concerns me about this is the, the software investment. Now, these are hardware investments for Path Forward, and they're to accelerate the hardware projects. But to me, the big disconnect in exascale isn't in hardware. It's in software. And how are we going to uh, design actual applications and middleware system software libraries that are exascale capable. Now, it's it's not that the exascale computing project hasn't invested in these things. Back in November, there were awards of $34 million for software development. But if you go back to that release and read that down, it, it's really clear the difference in philosophy between hardware and software, where for hardware... The idea is to enable the existing commercial vendors who are out in front in the market and give them even more grants to extend uh, the technology even further. Whereas with software, none of that $34 million goes to existing software, middleware, system software companies. It all goes to academic and national research labs to design open source software that will then go compete in many cases with commercial software that already exists. So it's a, it's really a very different approach. The idea that, you know, hardware can be commercial and we're going to enable the best of breed American-based companies to produce that. But on the software side, when there's an American uh, software company no, we're not going to give them the money. We're going to give it to a national lab, and we're going to try to design something that's that's free that competes with that. Well, right, but I think that reflects sort of the the culture of of uh, computing, especially supercomputing today. That most of the software of these big systems, in particular, and the and the public side of these big systems, like the DOE, uh, they use open software. So that's where. That's where their interest lies. They're not as interested in commercial software to advance any of these. And, and the system software is pretty thin on that side as far as uh, commercial vendors uh, in general. I mean, you know, nobody's going to use a Unix uh, system anymore or, or anything else like that. Um, now, it, the fact that, you know, you say maybe the DOE is, is sort of like 
uh, it's not an even playing field with hardware and software. I mean, there's no there's no sort of equivalent side to the hof- the hardware side as far as like an open source um, hardware organization uh, that's doing research or in the academic community that's doing that. I think they have to rely on the commercial companies in this case because they're the only ones that do it. They're not doing it because they they're trying to uh, start a welfare project for these companies. It's, that's that's sort of the only choice. These are the only companies that can push forward this hardware into the exascale realm. Nobody else uh, is is really capable of doing that in the research community at this point. That would be a huge effort to make them come up to speed. It's it's something that. Uh, you know, would take a huge effort to to uh, to pull up from uh, the bootstraps. I think. Well, at any rate, it was interesting to me the the difference in philosophy. Now, we I'm a big fan of the Exascale Computing Project, and I'd like seeing it go forward. And big congratulations to the to the six award winners totaling two hundred fifty eight million dollars. We should say that that's only part of the investment, by the way. That that's sixty percent of the investment. The other forty percent comes from those companies themselves, which brings the total investment up to four hundred thirty million. If you add the the 60 and the 40 together. Um, so the, these companies that are involved also have skin in the game, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's to keep those companies honest. They're not just taking this money and coming up with some research project that, you know, they can later just forget about. They have to invest in it. They have to have the idea that they want to commercialize this as well. And the DOE wants that as well. They don't want to buy non-commercial products, just one-off products. They're interested in something that has some commercial legs so that down the road uh, they can buy additional exascale systems and you know for in a, a price envelope that that makes some sense so everybody sort of is, is on the same page here but yeah as far as the companies investing they want to make sure that they like you said they have skin in the game as well all right michael also this week in hpc we're looking forward to isc which is next week the first thing that i want to mention and give isc credit for we're talking about these disconnects as we move forward into the future not just with exascale but next generation systems not only has software been one of the major challenges in moving forward in hpc but so is the skill set and isc is addressing that with a STEM day for uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics students to come have a day at ISC, have a tour, have uh, speakers lined up. Intersect 360 Research is one of the sponsors of this. I think that's one big interesting thing that's going to be happening on Wednesday at ISC and just wanted to call that out as being uh, of interest. You can find uh, information about that on the ISC site. What are some of the other things you're looking forward to uh, at ISC next week, Michael? Well, I mean, there's a whole raft of stuff. I mean, there's the keynotes. There's three keynotes, one on on each of the main days uh, by various speakers. There's, of course, there's the, um, the industrial day that the ISC has had now for a while, and they're devoting a whole day basically to commercial HPC, the use cases and the technologies that are used around the commercial side. And then uh, what's newer now is they have a deep learning day. So it's the machine learning AI side of HPC that uh, now has a whole day of sessions from uh, from various users and researchers in that area. So those are those are going to be some interesting sessions across those three items. And then, of course, there's the exhibition um, with the, the usual contingent of, of organizations and vendors. Um, 
Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, the usual nightly parties and the uh, things that are going on outside of the conference proper. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a good – if you look at the session lineup, there's a lot of good uh, good sessions around Xscale as well as, uh, like I mentioned, the, the machine learning and that sort of thing. So it's it's a, a full full raft of uh, sort of interesting speakers and sessions going through the whole three days. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I always love ISC and, of course, Intersect 360 Research and, and me myself are going to be involved in a lot of, of a lot of the sessions, including our Analyst Crossfire session, which is always a lot of fun for me where I get to moderate a very high-paced panel. That'll be on Wednesday afternoon starting at 3.15 in the main panorama room. This year for Analyst Crossfire, I have... Uh, on the uh, on the supercomputer side, I have Dupei Qian from uh, China as well as Rick Stevens from Argonne National Lab. So I can compare and contrast the U.S. and Chinese exascale initiatives. Then on the vendor side, UC Kokonan of Penguin, who you know, get the, get them into the mix along with Bill Manel of HPE, which has uh, just been one of the recipients of these Path Forward Awards. I think that's going to be a fantastic. Uh, High high energy conversation with those four. I'm also one of the inquisitors of the vendor showdown panel on Monday, and then a big thing that we're excited about is that Intersect 360 Research, myself together with Chris Willard, will give an HPC market overview presentation that's open to everybody in partnership with the HPC Advisory Council to take place Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m. hosted by. DDN at their room, the Matterhorn 2 room in the Movenpick Hotel right near the convention center. You can find information about that and pre-register if you find the link on our Twitter feeds, my own Twitter feed at Addison Snell or uh, Intersect 360 at Intersect 360. You can also find it on the Intersect 360 Research Facebook page. So we hope to, if you're going to be at ISC, we hope to see you at that uh, free presentation for the HPC community. Yeah, that sounds great. That's a good lineup, especially the good lineup of panelists you, you mentioned there. That sounds like a lot of fun. We should also not forget the the top 500 list, of course, is going to be uh, refreshed on Monday morning. That's going to be released. Uh, that's being compiled as we speak. And there should be at least one or two interesting topics to talk around there. It's always, there's always one surprise or two. So uh, we'll certainly be talking about that on one of our future podcasts as well. And we'll be listening on that. All right, Michael. Well, I'll see you in Frankfurt in a couple of days, and we'll have more podcasts coming to everybody at This Week in HPC, coming to you from ISC 17 in Frankfurt. We'll see you there, Michael, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.